Well, there was a sharp boost in sentiment on Friday because seemingly everything was good news. China was easing lockdowns. Russia had given away territory in Ukraine and US CPI was falling. There was a lot of hope around. But was it false hope? Was it, in Frank Sinatra's words, high apple pie in the sky hopes? I think I might have used that line before. But anyway, could today be the day that we have a bit of a reality check? Or was the good news on Friday really that good? It's Monday, the 14th of November, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, there was a massive spike in the Hang Seng on Friday with all the hopes on China's lockdowns easing. It was up 7.7%, up 7.2% if you look over the whole week. But beaten by the Nasdaq, which climbed 8.1% last week, the ASX 200 was up 3.8%. Equities climbing everywhere, just about it seems. It was also a week that saw a big fall in the US dollar, down 4.1% on the DXY over the week and losing 1.8% of that on Friday alone. The biggest gains, the Swiss franc up 5.4%, the Japanese yen up 5.3%, the Aussie gain. 3.6% up to almost 67.2 US cents on Friday. And US bond markets were closed on Friday, but over the week, 10-year treasuries down almost 35 basis points. Aussie 10 years down 20 basis points. And commodities generally pushing higher, like a 5.5% rise in iron ore on Friday, which was also 6.2% up over the week, whilst oil was falling, a 3.9% drop in WTI. So uh, do we get excited about uh, China's easing of lock down rules because that's what was driving a lot of the excitement on friday uh, ray atrell from uh, nav in sydney is with me um so yes exciting stuff here uh, ray he said uh, trying to sound as though he believed it himself if, if you if you come into contact with someone now in china rather than isolating for seven days it's been cut to five then you have three days in home isolation i mean it's uh it's not a big change, is it? It's not world-changing. Look at the response on the markets on Friday. Yeah, morning, Phil. But, uh, yes, confronted with that news in isolation, you would have really struggled to have uh, justified the scale of the moves um, that we saw. But I think the important point is its intent. It's the fact that you know going into the National um, Party Congress in China a few weeks ago and out of it, you know, the very firm message was that zero COVID in all its um, and all its guises was here to stay for a long while yet. And yet here we are two weeks on and we have got a tangible, albeit uh, relatively minor change in policy. And I think markets being forward looking are saying, well, uh, if this is happening now, then, you know, maybe we can think about, you know, next sort of February, March time, more tangible restrictions. So it is the first evidence, I think, of, of China saying, look, ultimately, we've got to move to a, a living with COVID situation. But as far as the markets were concerned, I think the other thing that I don't think we um, in this part of the world were aware of on Friday, but in justifying the strength of the Hang Seng, um, you know, were reports that I read over the weekend care of Bloomberg saying that um, the PBOC and China's Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission on Friday, yeah. jointly issued a notice to financial institutions laying out plans to ensure the stable and healthy development of the property sector. And there are a lot, I think 16 measures um, in total that have been announced. The big, big one was basically they got longer to pay back their, their debts. Basically. Absolutely, yeah, which is the big a, thing, mm. because I think, uh, mm. you know, the next six months, the amount of uh, property loans falling due are eye-wateringly large. And effectively, they're saying, well, you can effectively roll those forward, presumably with some sort of, a, of implicit government guarantee. 
Um, also things like loosening down payment requirements for home buyers. So perhaps trying to bring, you know, distressed, yeah. you know, or very, very reluctant to home buyers back to the market. Well, it's so, got to work both ways, isn't um, it? I mean, paying back your debt's not much good if you've built a, you know, a, a skyscraper that nobody wants to move into. No, but again, you know, think about it. What are the two things that are really, you know, are the jackboots on the uh, on the Chinese economy? Are, you mm. know, it's COVID and the property sector. And we've got yeah. some signs of, uh, of, of relief on, on, on both counts there. So, um, yes, yeah. much as I would agree with your uh, sentiments. Well, I mean, the that, answer, uh, but we said big, it, so we said it, no, it's not big. And, you know, we said it so many times, if they just got a vaccine, it will work. Because they had 10,000 new cases on Friday, uh, which is actually the highest they've had since April. But that's not a great deal. I mean, last week, one day last week, Australia had 29,000 cases. And the average for the last week in Australia has been 9,000, which is not far off China's one-day peak with, you know, one-fiftieth of the population that China's got. So clearly it's it's just it's just getting over that issue and also being you know there is the concern though isn't that you know aside from is it an overreaction there's also the question about how much the whole world is still being held back because of covid so jonathan haskell who's a external member of the monetary policy committee at the bank of england gave a speech on sunday saying inflation is sticky in the UK and part of it is the very tight labour market, which is partly a result of ill health keeping people out of the workforce. And that's, you know, that's the question. How much is that the case that the labour market is tight because we are still suffering from COVID perhaps? Oh no! I think there's, there's, you know, there's almost certainly is, uh, is is something to do. And you know, down here we've got uh, mask mandates um, mm. effectively back in uh, in in Queensland. Um, I think Kerry Chant, the New South Wales Health uh, official, uh, was uh, again suggesting that uh, people should think about working from home again if they could. Um, mm. So we've clearly got these, you know, these renewed waves that are uh, occurring. And uh, they say, yeah. you say 10,000 10, might be a lot in China, but then I think you're assuming that everywhere in the world that these COVID statistics are 100% accurate, which I've no doubt that they are. <laughs> but, uh, but, I yeah. would, but I would agree because, you know, if we are seeing, I mean, you know, if you look at the charts, the, the, the current China wave is, is, is back, um, mm. certainly as steep as we saw back in April, for example, yeah. which actually brought new lockdown restrictions. And so I would have said, look, the net economic effect of this sort of minor shift in in quarantine rules set against the economic implications of uh, of the wave that's what we call it in china is probably a net negative but again i think it's you know from a market's point of view it, it's sentiment and intent regarding direction well, of travel that for the yeah. time being i think will continue to dominate well, clutching at straws, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, a big response, though, it wasn't just equities. I mean, you know, we, t- we talked about that much weaker US dollar now, the impact that's having on, on commodities. I mean, that was a big switch around last week, wasn't it? And, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, we've been, uh, as I say, it was a a black, bit, an early Black Friday for commodity yeah. brokers, wasn't it? No, no, absolutely. I haven't seen the Black Friday results, but I gather in China at uh, Alibaba wasn't uh, it wasn't that flash by all by all reports anyway. But um, mm. but no, but on the dollar, I mean, we have been in our sort of FX strategy team um, somewhat equivocal, saying, look, we think that the US dollar has peaked, but that the conditions for a sustained decline, um, you know, quite a few um, shoes still need to drop for that to be in place. But um, you know, just the price action alone, following CPI, which obviously got a further kick. Uh, on what we saw on Friday, including a big rise in the Chinese yuan, which, which obviously fed through directly into the Aussie and Kiwi dollars, even though they were far from being the best performing uh, currencies on the week, means that um, you know the downtrend looks as though it's uh, it's underway um, sooner uh, rather than later. A couple of other things just to note on there. One was in Switzerland. 
the uh, Thomas Jordan, the Swiss National Bank president, said that the SNB was ready to sell foreign exchange reserves. Remember, they were accumulating hundreds of billions of them and they were trying to prevent the Swiss franc from strengthening um, you know, over the last uh, few years at least. But um, that actually meant that the Swiss franc was the best performing of yes. the major currencies on the week, together with the Japanese yen, which I think speaks a lot to positioning in terms of that's been one of the market's favoured short positions while the BOJ has persisted with the YCC policy, US Treasury yields have been rising. So um, to some extent, we should see the so, moves last week in the context of positioning. But, um, but clearly, but, the moves but overall we're seeing the dollar. Right, on the, on the Japanese yen, though, is that because of an expectation that they're going to switch their policy or just the fact that we are going to see uh, bond yields falling in the US because inflation is, you know, the other good news, inflation apparently it's on its way down now. Is, is, that, is that why we're seeing the response in the yen? No, I don't think anybody has any um, uh, you know, reasonable uh, reasons for believing that, that the YCC policy is going to change at a minimum until, I would say, Q2 next year when we get through the next uh, wages round and uh, Bank of Japan has still nailed its, its colours firmly to the mask, saying in the absence of you know, wage inflation that we think is, you know, can produce sustainable 2% plus inflation, we aren't going anywhere. So it is entirely, you know, 10-year Treasury yields were, you know, we're looking up at 4.5% just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and here we are, you know, down at sort of three and three quarters plus or minus. So that's a big move. Yeah. And uh, and that justifies, certainly justifies um, the kind of moves that we saw in the end last week. Well, that is because, you know, the other so the other good news, apart from the fact that China is, you know, almost completely getting rid of lockdown rules, ha, uh, is uh, US CPI. You know, it's on its way down now. It dropped on uh, below expectations. We talked about this on Friday's podcast. There was a, quite a swift market response again to that. But too much? I mean, uh, it would be dangerous to draw too many conclusions because, I mean, as we pointed out on Friday, it's already fallen this year, then risen back up again. So we shouldn't get too excited when it goes down just for one month. Well, it's, uh, what, what happens next month when we have a 0.2% upside surprise? But uh, mm. you know, looking back in history, you know, markets observers will say, wow, we had a 0.2% uh, deviation from expectations and look what happened. But uh, yeah. you know, it does speak volumes to the view, though, that um, you know, for a lot of markets, as soon as you know, the markets can see the whites of the eyes of a peak, in the Fed funds rate, then uh, a lot was going to follow from that. And uh, totally agree, yes. And, you know, getting inflation down from, you know, six, seven, eight percent down to, you know, four or five percent, which is where we could be headed in the next couple of months, I still think is uh, that's the easy part of killing inflation. Getting it down from four percent to two percent is, is going to be the, the, you know, the, the real challenge there. And, you know, in terms of last week's news, let's look forward. We've got UK and Eurozone inflation out this week. And uh, the expectation is that both of them are going to print above their October readings and are probably at 10.7%. So wow. the UK and the Eurozone will be the envy of the world in terms of uh, how high they've managed to to get their inflation rates up. So that whether that takes a little bit of a dampener off the uh, the message from US CPI, let's, um, let's see. Yeah. All right. So the other great news uh, last week. Uh, so, you know, this, it's, so inflation on its way down. Uh, China lockdown just about over. Uh, the war in Ukraine almost completely finished now, uh, it seems. <laughs> the uh, the retaking of Kherson. Obviously, that's what it all rested on. But, you know, I'm, I'm being very cynical this morning. I do apologize for that. But I mean, it's, it's just a, a lot of this. You just look at it and think, what? I mean, it, it wasn't a great, you know, it's the thousands of mines and bombshells have been laid. They've got tripwires. They've got no utilities. The Russian forces are just over the over the river. And, you know, we've still got Dmitry uh, Medvedev, who, who's, you know, playing the part of a Bond villain very well, saying that, you know, Russia's building this future world order. 
And, uh, you know, again, saying over the weekend, they've not used their entire arsenal of possible means of destruction. Uh, so, yeah, you know, but, uh, all that all that said, and I don't disagree with anything that you said there, but uh, following mm-hmm. the, the fall of, of Kirsten on Friday, um, you know, I'm just reading a report on uh, Dow Jones Wall Street Journal saying senior U.S. officials have begun nudging Kiev to start thinking about peace talks in the event winter stalls its momentum. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's, you know, probably designed really for sort of domestic political consumption to try and make sure that in the uh, US, US yeah. uh, stays on side with its support for other Western allies. Uh, so is that, there, West, is, um, that, is that US politicians trying to back, back out of putting more funding forwards then to say, well, well possible. okay. I would say there that, um, you know, had the um, uh, Congress had the so-called um, you know, red wave, which it hasn't, incidentally, and it looks the Senate is now secure in Democrat yes. hands following the result of the Nevada Senate race uh, that was announced over the weekend. But um, had we that had, doesn't make um, a great deal of difference if the House is it, it, it switches over though. Does no, it, it doesn't. Really? But but if if the House and the Senate are not going to fall into Republican hands, then the idea, for example, of uh, agreement to stop providing funding for Ukraine mm. would have become um, a, a tangible possibility. And I think that um, because the Senate is going to remain, um, is going to remain uh, in Democrat hands, that uh, the risk of that is certainly reduced. So I don't think we're going to see any tangible change in US attitude towards, uh, towards Ukraine. But as what I say, does, given the that, mood the markets that? are in, then uh, yeah. you know, you've got a string of, 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 of good or non-negative news. And I think the fall of Kirsten, you know, people will, you know, they will talk about that as maybe, maybe providing a, a glimmer of hope. But um, yeah, I'm like you, I'm not having a bar of it. Yeah, it's like a glimmer of hope is all of a sudden is fantastic uh, news, isn't it, these days? Uh, But uh, not such good news in the UK. GDP, well, actually not as bad as expected for Q3. But if you look at September, uh, a 0.6% contraction. Apparently, some of that was because of the the Queen's funeral slowed the economy because there wasn't enough merchandising going. If you've got a royal wedding, you can buy a mug and a a tea towel. You don't do that for a funeral, do you? Just get a day off work. So... That's uh, that's upset the numbers a little bit, but no, generally, I think so. I mean, I think we, so. so actually, we know, two, year, think two year recession. The Bank of England says this is the start of it. Obviously, <laughs> no, absolutely. But it's and it's just a, a, if you look at the, the, the monthly numbers and the quarterly numbers, and you take account of how much of a hit there was because of the holiday for the Queen's funeral, you'd have to say that this, this is a, a net not as bad as not quite as bad as feared. We did have industrial production that actually rose by 02 in September against a 03 percent fall. So, you know, I think it just delays the inevitable in terms of the, the revelation of just how uh, how big a hole the UK is destined to uh, to fall into. And, and perhaps after the autumn statement that we'll get uh, later this week, um, you know, the realisation that, um, you know, the UK is not going to escape um, a pretty deep and protracted re- recession will uh, will hit home yeah. a little bit harder. Well, you know, unless they win the Soccer World Cup, of course. But that's, um, that's you know, we'll look how they did in the Rugby League World Cup. So they're probably not going to win the Soccer World Cup. I mean, they'll just, maybe they'll just drink themselves into into oblivion and that'll, you know, maybe Brit- boost Brit- the economy. Brits drinking themselves into oblivion. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. So uh, what have we got coming up this week then? So I guess that the, the main thing to watch locally is going to be the wage price index, isn't it? Because, we, you know, just see how much in, in inflation is being pushed through wage pressures. Yeah, no, I think that will be. We've also got the labour market numbers on uh, on Thursday as well. So WPI will be keenly anticipated. We are expecting to see a, you know, a small uptick with only sort of 0.9 on the quarter, which is 2.9 or 3% year on year, depending on, on, on rounding effectively. Um, so still 
still, you know, it, for the time being at least, the message would still be that um, you know inflation uh, may be rising and, and lagging what we're seeing in other parts of the world. But you know, the hard evidence of, of wage inflation, you know, rising at a level that is inconsistent with the uh, the medium term inflation target or the flexible inflation target, I don't think is going to be at hand in these numbers. And it's the G20 this week, of course. Uh, that's going to be interesting because uh, Russia is there. Putin's not going, but Russia is going to be there. Uh, but before that, on Monday in Bali, uh, that meeting between President Xi and uh, and the US president as well, it's, uh, uh, I've forgotten his name for a second, Biden. It's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> you've got oh, a, he's already you've gone. You've got a little bit of Joe Biden gone, so forgetting who the Australian <laughs> Prime Minister is. Mind you, you can be forgiven. <laughs> yeah. A bit like UK Prime Ministers. You can remember last so week's one, but not necessarily this week's. Rushdi Sinako something you called it anyway um yeah so uh, i wonder how that meeting is going to go today no well i think it's, it's important i think any sign again going back to the the market's mood i think any sign yeah. outward signs of conviviality or bonhomie whatever you want to call it you know i think yeah. would probably play with the grain but um there are a lot of deep-seated issues you know obviously there so uh, you know the risk is the markets are, are putting too much store in, in the mere fact that they will be meeting as, as likely to result any any tangible uh, easing of the uh, of, of the various strains in the relationship yeah, just two percent on equity markets. Even if they if they just show up, perhaps uh, we'll see. We're, we're, we're <laughs> one fist pump away from another five percent rally in the S and P, right? <laughs> All right. Or just possible today we might see uh, a bit of reassessment of that uh, jubilant mood on Friday, perhaps. Maybe there'll be a, a, a bit of a stock take happening today. We'll see. Anyway, good to talk. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Ray. Well, thanks, Phil. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have to apologise. I sound like I got out the wrong side of bed this morning. I will try and be more positive for the rest of the week. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I will be back again tomorrow morning, hopefully tomorrow morning, with another edition of The Morning Call. I'll see you then. Have a great day.